Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. And I'm Erica. So Steve, we've been um, working the last few episodes on a series on the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And we, we've actually made it first past like the first couple lines now. Yes. <laughs> We're getting kind of a little bit more into the, what we might consider the meat of the prayer. And so we've looked at our Father who art in heaven, mm-hmm. hallowed be thy name. Okay. That's where we've gone so far. And today we're going to handle kind of a large chunk, but hopefully a chunk that all makes sense together. Sure. Uh, Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, I just changed from King James to modern English. Way to bring it in the 21st century. (laughs) Look at us. Um, And and maybe this is a point to say that even though it feels long, this is really one idea. Oh, yeah. Um, And this is especially a point that uh, maybe reveals the... uh, Hebrew or Aramaic thinking that's underlying Jesus' words here. Um, one of the central defining features of Hebrew poetry is this thing called parallelism, where you'll say the same idea in different words in sort of uh, repeated uh, sort of uh, couplet. And it's not a couplet that rhymes in words, but it's a couplet that rhymes in, in almost rhyming ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, when Jesus says, your kingdom come, and then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, these are meant to interpret each other. It's basically saying the same thing all over again. Um, but in a different way of in a different way of saying it, the ideas rhyme, if if mm-hmm. not the the sounds in the words rhyme, um, and that I think is helpful, um, so that we understand that when we say your kingdom come, that's not just a free floating idea, but. Jesus then defines, what does it mean for God's kingdom to come? Oh, it's when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. These are related ideas. Um, and th- so even if it feels like, boy, they're really ambitious. They're taking eight words today instead of four <laughs> words. They could barely last time only talk about four words. Th- this is really one notion, one idea about God's kingdom or God's reign uh, coming to fullness mm-hmm. and happening everywhere. Yeah, and I think that's that's the, the big um, kicker with this one is the fact that God's kingdom, as, as I believe we mentioned when we talked about, you know, God being in heaven, mm-hmm. it, it's not just something that's out there. Mm-hmm. God's kingdom is not just something that's that's far and distant away, but it's something that that's here and now, just yeah. as much as it is yeah. in the future. If if we talked before about, in a way, heaven being wherever and whenever God's rule happens or God's will is done, we could talk about the kingdom or the reign of God in, in similar terms, mm-hmm. not... Our, our temptation, because our experience with other uses of the word kingdom is limited to geographic territory, um, and that's not really the feel here. The the, the feel here is um, almost, in my mind, I think jurisdiction maybe gets a, a better feel of it. Because, like, I think about uh, where is the jurisdiction of the United States government? Well, obviously, the fifty states of the United States, but our commonwealths and protectorates, and also any embassy that is a U.S. embassy anywhere in the world is technically mm-hmm. under U.S. jurisdiction. Uh, which you know why it's a big deal in movies. Oh, got to get to the embassy, and then we're safe. You know, if you're inside the wall, then you're safe because you're now you're in U.S. jurisdiction. Um, and in a sense, God's kingdom or God's reign has that same feel. That it's not just oh, one day far off in heaven in some distant location. That's where God rules. But that there's a sense in which all over where the people of God uh, are at work, where God's spirit is loose in the world, you get these sort of moments or glimpses or pockets where, oh yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's the kingdom visible. Where maybe you could also say that God's kingdom is in a sense penetrating all of reality because it's all God's world. Mm-hmm. We continue to live in rebellion against that, but God's rule or God's presence and God's authority is still over all, all the universe. Um, but that God's jurisdiction, God, the, the, the places where God's rule is evident, aren't just after you die, then you'll get to see it, but it happens all around us. 
I mean, that's exactly what Jesus talked about throughout the Gospels, but especially in Matthew when he talks about all those kingdom parables, the kingdom of God is like this and like that, and like yeast and and flour and and how it grows. And um, it's not, again, Jesus never says it's this far distant thing, but it's a a reality that is here among us now. Um, And the kind of somewhat theological terms, the, the already not yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the God's kingdom is already here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom to earth. Mm-hmm. But yet there's a large chunk of the kingdom that is not here. Sure. Um, because obviously it doesn't take much sure. looking around to realize that there are places where God's kingdom is not ruling and reigning. Sure, sure. Um, in our society. Yeah, I mean, you, you could you could say maybe this is a little bit of a half-worn thought here. But I remember reading somewhere, and the, the, I guess this only makes sense, that um, uh, a caterpillar's DNA doesn't change when it turns into a butterfly. It's got the same DNA all its life long, which means that the ingredients or the directions for how it becomes a butterfly are there when it's a caterpillar, present there. Nothing else changes in that regard. It's there. At some point, though, a pretty dramatic change happens when this mm-hmm. thing goes from a worm to a thing with wings that flies around. Um, but some sense of it being present there already, even in caterpillar form, uh, I mean, in some sense, that already but not yet is, is what we're talking about with the kingdom. The idea that uh, it's right and accurate to talk about God's kingdom breaking out among us right now, here and now, as God's reign and rule has been breaking out for all of history. Mm-hmm. And yet there is also this great hope toward which uh, we're convinced that uh, human history and all of the universe's history is aiming toward um, so that, you know, that, that, that great old, big old God's feast where all nations are. I mean, that, that sort of imagery we get in places like Isaiah or Revelation that promises, you know, great day of the Lord. Um, but the, the reign of God is already, in a sense, here and now and among. And Jesus goes as far as to say something like that in, in Luke 17. He says, don't listen when people say, oh, look, the kingdom is over there. Or, look, it's over there. No, the kingdom of God is among us or is within you, he says. Um, and in a similar way, like you said, in, in Matthew's uh, parables, Jesus talks about the reign of God, the kingdom of God, in terms that suggest something that is already right under our noses and spreading and growing Sometimes imperceptibly. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that great image of the kingdom of God being like yeast. Um, yeast is not the ingredient you should be tasting when you're making bread. Nobody should be going, mmm, this tastes so yeasty. No. I mean, it should be this sort of like below the radar. It doesn't call attention to itself. And in fact, it gives itself away. I mean, the, the yeast dies in order that you can have bread, but it mm-hmm. gives itself away so that the whole bread can be what it's supposed to be. Or similarly, when Jesus talks about the, the salt, I mean, there's that similar image of something that gives itself away. And if all you taste is salt, you've kind of missed the point. It's the, 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 the flavor use of salt is to enhance the flavor of whatever else mm-hmm. it is. Um, and that there's that sense of something that's present already and growing, but also sort of under the radar. I mean, that, that's the imagery. That's the way Jesus talks about how the kingdom or the reign of God operates. The kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm, I'm thinking through this, um, through this phrase, Steve, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not getting any thoughts right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> Just trying to play back through this this phrase again. Let me let me toss this this piece out to you. That it seems like it's an important thing to mm-hmm. say. Uh, and again, this is the this is the, the Lutheran in me. Um, having having uh, been weaned on uh, Luther's catechism, when Luther gets around to asking, "What does it mean to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be mm-hmm. done on earth as it is in heaven?" Uh, he says something that is really humbling, but I think really important. And the, the gist goes. God's kingdom is going to come whether we pray for it or not. Let's yes. not pretend that yes. God's sitting up in heaven, sitting on his hands, going, oh, I really hope enough people pray for it, else the kingdom can't come today. Um, it's not like that. And and one of the things I, I 
tell my confirmation students these days is um, that makes it different than in, in you know, the Peter Pan story. If you go see Peter Pan on stage, there's a point where Tinkerbell drinks the poison and Peter Pan addresses the audience and says to the audience, now you all have to clap. If you don't clap and say, I do believe in pixies, I do believe in pixies, Tinkerbell will die. And I think sometimes we treat prayer, especially the mm-hmm. Lord's Prayer like that, yeah. that this mm-hmm. your kingdom come. If, if, if enough of us don't pray for it, it won't happen. And Luther's like, no, God's kingdom will come because it turns out God is God and not us. And God is not powered by prayer like a battery. It's not like God's like, I need enough of you to pray in order to you know, get up enough energy for this to happen. No, God's kingdom will come in God's good old time. The question is whether God's kingdom will be able to come through us and in us or if God has to work in spite of us. And that's really the crux of things. Mm-hmm. The God, you reign and you rule over all the universe. I want to be a part of what you're up to in the world rather than I want you to have to work in spite of me. Because God is willing. I mean, if you read the scripture, God's willing to do things the hard way. I mean, we we keep saying no to God, and God won't give up on us. God doesn't say, "I'm giving up on you." That's it. I'm going to go try this on Mars. Um, even if the hard way means a cross, even if the hard mm-hmm. way means that God takes on death, even if it means that God has to bear with stubborn, stingy Israel or stubborn, stingy the church. Uh, I mean, we keep being the ones who harden God, who harden ourselves toward God's plans, or make things harder for God in a sense. Uh, not that I mean hard, but I mean they, we yeah. and, and God is willing to work in spite of us if God has to. But man, what a what a missed opportunity! If you look back, you know I could have been a part of what God was up to, and I was such a jerk, and I I was so focused on me. I mean, man, we, and we look back with that sort of sense of regret of missed opportunity. But not that I've got so much power that if I withhold prayer, God's kingdom can't come. Mm-hmm. That's I think an important idea to all this. Uh, that when we pray, Your kingdom come. We don't have the power. It's about acknowledging God has the power, and we want to be a part of what God's up to, rather than that God has to work in spite of us. So kind of like in our last episode, when we talked about, um, you know, asking God's name to be made holy, and we said that, you know, it's already holy, and it's just a reminder for us that we need to make sure that the way we act and behave and speak keeps that holiness. This this part of the prayer may also be for us. in, in the words of our dear brother, Martin Luther, <laughs> um, you're not going to make me a Luther. <laughs> I love come my Wesley. The, come to the dark side. <laughs> not coming to the dark side. But a reminder to us that we need to be a part, as Christians, this is something that we should be a part of. This is something that we should be looking for in our lives and making sure that God isn't doing this in spite of us. Right. And, and in a way, it's funny. I mean, like our, our way of thinking about it is, just as you said, is... Uh, that if we're going to be Christians, we ought to be, we ought to care about the kingdom of God because that's important to Jesus. It, in in Jesus' day, where there is no such thing as Christians. I mean, Jesus doesn't go around saying, "Hey, I'm starting a new religion. Come be a part of my new religion." Oh, and by the way, one of the things we do is talk about the kingdom. Jesus' message throughout the Gospels is the kingdom of God has come near. That's the thing we've been waiting for for all these centuries, everybody. This is the thing, the thing the prophets have been dreaming about. This new reality where God's reign is complete and restored. That's what I'm here offering. And the people who gathered about that and discovered it in the name of Jesus, whom they called Christ, ended up getting stuck with the name Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a sense, the kingdom is the thing that we've all been about all along. Um, and that's really sort of what the aim or the goal or the point of church is, too. I mean, this is maybe a difficult thing for pastors who are the representatives of organized religion to say. But the church is 
reason for existence is not just to keep the institution itself going. Mm-hmm. That makes us different, I think, than uh, your local civic organization or the historical society or the philosopher's club or the photography team. You know, what, almost any other organization exists. Well, we need to get enough members to keep going and mm-hmm. we need to have enough income to keep our doors open. And the church isn't that, at least if we're faithful. The, the church's job is to be a witness to God's kingdom happening and that it's okay if... Um, uh, it's not about us or drawing attention mm-hmm. to our you know, own individual institution. God's kingdom is bigger than, and that also forces us maybe to see that um, praying for the kingdom rather than praying for the health of the institutional church means that um, God is allowed to work beyond the boundaries of one church, one congregation, one tradition, one whatever, mm-hmm. um, and that sometimes God actually does things that don't happen inside churches. <laughs> we, we Wait, right, right. We, we sometimes like get this picture that like, oh, well, when we're praying for the kingdom come, it means that we would establish more church buildings. Maybe, yeah. but no. Um, it, it, that God could work that way, but uh, you know, God is doing things in the world. God's reign is shown in all sorts of places that don't look very churchy. In fact, I mean, again, to let Jesus mm-hmm. be our model of what the kingdom coming looks like. Jesus only rarely spends time in the buildings of organized religion, and most of the time he gets chased out of them. <laughs> or flips over the tables. Yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> Jesus and locations related to organized religion don't have a happy track record. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not Jesus' fault. That's institutional religion's <laughs> fault, maybe. But, again, I, that, I think this is an important reminder for us, especially church folks like you and I, whose bread and butter has to do with organized institutional religion, mm-hmm. that in the end... It, that it's, that's not what it's about. It's about God's reign, and that God's reign happens on street corners and at soup kitchens mm-hmm. and at homeless shelters, and it happens in ordinary conversations and in the line of the grocery store, and it happens in our country, and it happens in other countries, and it happens in our language and other people's languages, and it happens beyond the boundaries of our rightness, too. I mean, like, mm-hmm. each of our traditions has reasons for why we believe the things we believe, and here's our practice, and here's our polity, and we have bishops, and you have district superintendents, and you have bishops. I mean, like, all sorts of ways we sort of develop this structure. Mm-hmm which are fine for keeping the institution going. And understand that's the limits of those things. But the kingdom has always been about something bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we forget that, because sometimes we think the goal of the church is to just keep having church. Um, And that that kind of misses the point in mind. I mean, in the human body, when you get cells that just exist to keep making more cells but not serve a purpose... That's called cancer. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a tumor. When when human cells are working rightly, they are yet yeah, taking in energy and nutrients in order to perform a function to sort of give life to the rest of the whole. And sometimes we aren't great at remembering that. The point yeah. of being the people of God isn't just to further our own institutions or to give ourselves a more comfortable position in the world, but we're to be about God's reign and God's kingdom wherever, whenever that shows up, even if I don't like the other people that God's working through, even if I don't think they're worthy, even if I wouldn't let them into my club. I mean, God reserves the right to say, guess what, Zacchaeus is on the list. I mean, there's that line in Jesus, uh, in, in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus says to the religious people, you guys want to be a part of the kingdom of God, get in line behind the tax collectors and prostitutes. They got it. Um, and this is scandalous stuff here, and it, it's familiar to us because we've been reading the Bible for so long, but uh, the kingdom is a lot more like that. The people mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect or don't think are worthy or don't belong, yep, that's where the kingdom shows up. It reminds me, um, Stephen, this might take a little while, but I'm gonna, if I can share a story about a friend of mine. Um, this story's been published through uh, Church Leaders, um, the magazine I know, and it, it's usually found under the title, He's My Bleeping Pastor, and they use a bunch of all the asterisks <laughs> and at signs and different things and it's uh, a friend of mine from seminary who 
makes his office uh, Monday through Friday in the mornings, the Waffle House, mm-hmm. his local Waffle House. Mm-hmm. And um, he walks in one day and he sits down at the counter and there's this coffee cup there and he didn't realize that, and, you know, it was somebody's seat that they were sitting there. They just went out and, you know, either went to the bathroom or had a smoke break or whatever and they were coming back and this guy comes back in and he starts laying into the into my friend who is a pastor. Mm. And the waitresses start saying, you can't talk to him that way. He's my pastor. <laughs> um this man is not, you know, these waitresses, these workers at the Waffle House don't go to his church. <laughs> They're not officially part of his congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, because he goes there every day, mm-hmm. he's gotten to know their, their names, their stories. He's talked with them. He's prayed with them. He's become their pastor. Yeah, yeah. Even with all the, the foul language and everything, um, he becomes their pastor. And I think that is a perfect example of what... Jesus talks about the kingdom breaking it. And you, you, know, sure. you said the institutions, you know, we joke back and forth about being Lutheran and Methodist and right. how I'm never going to turn to the dark side and you're never going to come to the light side <laughs> as a Methodist. Um, you know, but in all honesty, you know, that's not, our, our jobs go far beyond the walls of the churches that we serve, far beyond the walls of our institutions because our goal as pastors and as Christians Sure. Um, first and foremost, even before we're, we're pastors, is to make sure that the kingdom yeah. is breaking forth in and around us, and and to see that as privilege. I mean, like we're it's a privilege to get to be a part of that. That like <laughs> to say like God didn't have to work through anybody. I mean, God God who's the maker of the universe, you know, says let there be light in their light. God wants something done. God is free to do things the snapping fiat way, and yet in God's curious, surprising kind of wisdom, God chooses to work through us. And part of our prayer then is God. I, I want you to work through me. And I want to be on the same wavelength to be about what you're about in the world, mm-hmm. rather than you having to work in spite of me. That's what we're that's what we're about here. Um, and, and in that regard, I think um, the other the other image that comes to mind to help me sort of picture what this whole kingdom of God is like um, is is a, a, a image from from world history. Um, it, it starts with the acknowledgement. All the universe is already God's. Always has been, always will be. All of everything is God's. Uh, and, I mean, this is one thing the Bible like pretty clear on beginning to end. The whole universe is God's. There's no part that isn't God's. Um, he kind of created it all. Yeah, right. It got it by, <laughs> he by, started with nothing. By making, it all. by buying, <laughs> by redeeming, by only God rules over it all. God, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fair and true to say uh, the world in which we live sure feels like it is in rebellion against God's rulership. And in C.S. Lewis's language in, in his space trilogy, he calls Earth the silent planet, the planet that doesn't communicate with God anymore. It's sort of in rebellion and sort of closed itself off. It's a cool image to me. But um, I, I picture it almost like... Um, in, in World War II, when, when the, the Nazis, when, when the, the German forces occupy or take over France, um, the people who live in France and are part of the French resistance um, are looking to overthrow the, the wrongful conquerors, the, the, the Nazis and the, and, the, and the Germans, and to reassert rightful control of the, of the rightful French rulers over their own people. So it's not about an invasion of the French. It's more about liberation to, to let uh, the rightful rule of the rightful people be there, and that to be a part of the resistance then is to say we're about liberation, but that liberation is all about repelling the invaders in a sense, and about the rightful restoration of rightful rule. So in a sense, when you talk about God's kingdom, God's rule is God rules over all the universe, and here we are in this little outpost of rebellion, saying we don't like what you're doing, God, um, and that our prayer is that at the last that God's rightful rule be reestablished mm-hmm. here, and that that's a liberating thing. Again, it's it's not about it's, it's not sort of a um, 
grim authoritarian, oh, we're going to have to suffer under the emperor God. But, like, no, God's rule is a rightful, liberating, freeing kind of a rule where lambs and lions lie down and we can beat our swords into plowshares. There's something beautiful about a world and a universe where justice and mercy is done. Um, uh, that's what it looks like where God reigns. Uh, where, for example, as Jesus says, where even the people who only worked an hour get enough to feed their kids. I mean, like, in, in God's reign, everybody gets to eat. In God's reign, nobody goes hungry. In God's reign, the proud and powerful and puffed up are taken down a few pegs and the lowly are lifted up, like Mary sings about. That's what God's reign looks like. And so for our prayer for God's kingdom to come, it's this sort of like, this, this longing to be a part of that liberation, that resistance movement, is about reasserting God's rightful rule over things. And the, the other thing I think is important in that image to me is when the Nazis overpowered or, or uh, took over France, and the leadership and the, I mean, the army leadership uh, of, of the French army or French government go into exile and go across the English Channel in, in uh, England for a while, nobody thought it was a good plan to just, well, well, we'll just live in England forever. We'll give up on France and we'll just all we'll have little France. It'll just be a you know, neighborhood in London. We'll just live there and that'll, we'll just give up. No, the idea was always, all right, we'll regroup and then there will come a point when we'll reestablish rightful rule over this place is now occupied enemy territory. The important thing in my mind there as we think about, talk about the kingdom of God is sometimes it is so tempting to hear this kingdom talk, especially when Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven, which Mm -hmm. is his way of not having to use God's name. Uh, It's not about a geographical place. But when, when, when we hear kingdom of God, it's so tempting to hear that as, again, some distant location you go to. Mm-hmm. That, and as though God's policy is, well, I'm giving up on earth. I'll just live in heaven and I'll take as many people up to this heaven place that I guess I will give up on the universe I mean. Mm-hmm. That, that certainly doesn't suggest a victorious God in my mind. <laughs> it doesn't even really suggest a loving God. It sounds like God found it was too hard to actually redeem us and then gave up and said, well, mm-hmm. I'll settle for heaven and a handful of people. I'll sort of pluck them out. Um, that, in my mind, completely completely misreads what the scriptures are saying, certainly misreads what Jesus is all about, and that the picture, the story the Bible is trying to tell is of a God who is reasserting God's rightful rule and lordship over all creation um, to be a good kind of a reign where lambs and lions lie down. Mm-hmm. But it's about God's rightful rule, not about God saying, well, I'll give up on earth and I'll just whisk people away to this place called heaven, and I guess we'll just forget I made this horrible thing called... I mean, we would talk before that, that heaven and earth are made for one another, mm-hmm. so to speak. They're made to be in relation with one another, and that's uh, an important piece of uh, what, what this prayer is all about then. Well, and, and I'm thinking like in, in Revelation, as, as John's describing the New Jerusalem and how the New Jerusalem comes down. Mm-hmm. It's not that, you know, we all get whisked away, as you right. said, to this new place somewhere else out in space. No, it comes down to Earth. It, right. It's a restoration of what is already here. Yeah, yeah. And so if we can um, let God work through us, because mm-hmm. we can't bring the kingdom ourselves, right. but if we let God work through us to help bring that kingdom now, and, you know, and Christians continue to keep letting God work through them until eventually that kingdom comes fully then how much more ready will we be for that kingdom, even if we're not here when Jesus comes again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, to be able to experience what that that final date will be like yeah. when that, that kingdom does finally completely come and take over the earth. And it's not just little pockets here right. and there right. of, of seeing the kingdom, you know, making glimpses and... and yeah, you know, just getting peeks into it. Yeah, and I think that 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 directional change that you mentioned is really important for picturing what's going on here. To pray for God's kingdom to come is not to say, "Dear God, whisk me away to some other location where I won't have to deal with the unpleasantness of life." It's God, may Your kingdom and reign happen here among us. 
until that point where it comes in its fullness and you reign as all in all, and you know, like like uh, Paul will say in Corinthians, until you know, uh, and when when all the last enemies are made God's footstool, and the last enemy is death, and and God is all in all. But the, in the meantime, it's about a God coming into our midst, not God mm-hmm. taking me away from the difficulties. And that's really important, too, because sometimes we sort of picture that the Christian life is like basically a life of waiting and hiding somewhere, waiting to be whisked away somewhere else, and not mm-hmm. to have to deal with the suffering and the brokenness or the hurting of the world. And nowhere, really, is that what the Bible has to say. That's certainly what, not what Jesus is about. We talked even last time about that God's holiness isn't to take me away somewhere else where I won't have to deal with the messiness or I'm allergic to sinners or ooh, yuck, a spider. But, like, the idea of God's holiness being right in the midst of the brokenness and hurting the world, where Jesus, the Holy One of God, as the demons call him, um, is having dinner with tax collectors and sinners and lepers and outcasts and whatever, that if that's what holiness looks like, that God's kingdom is that same, God breaking into the midst here, not taking me out somewhere else where I won't have to touch the unpleasantness. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking back to our last episode when we talked about holiness and in the idea that Jesus while being fully God, obviously is holy and and made himself very comfortable amongst, you know, the, the icky, gross yeah, right. things of the world, you know, and ate with sinners and tax collectors and was considered a, a sinner and a, and a drunkard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, that that's the kingdom. You know, we can't be, you know, we said the last episode about being the hermit, you know, it, um, trying to live out the kingdom here on earth is mm-hmm. not going out into the desert somewhere, and trying to escape from the world, right. and just waiting out your time, you know, right. either for you to die and go and be with Jesus, right. or wait for Jesus to come back. That's not what God means by, right. by the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. Right. And I even think it may be helpful to recover, um, we we lose some of this in English, because our, our, our words don't line up quite the same way, but the word that we get, we translate kingdom in the in, in the, the New Testament, the, the word uh, basileia, uh, is connected to the word both for king or to reign or to rule, to basileio is the word to I reign or I rule. In, in that sense, there's a sense of like a, a verb of action happening. There's a sense that like the kingdom is wherever and whenever God reigns or God rules. And it's not just, when we hear kingdom, we tend to think geographical location. Mm-hmm. And that means if I'm not there, I should just fall asleep in the car until we get there. You know, when, yeah. when we hear kingdom, mm-hmm. we think, oh, like mm-hmm. Disney's Magic yeah. Kingdom. And oh, we're not there yet? Okay, I'll watch another movie in the backseat of the car until we get to that place. But if, it, if it's more of an active kind of thing, if it's a, it's a sense of God's reign or God's rule, it's not bounded by geography or in time or in space. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, this is what it looks like where, where God runs the show. This is how God manages things, where God is running the universe and God is not rebelled against. Um, and that means that it's not just a wait till I die or I'm going to hide out somewhere until maybe one day I'll get to some place where it'll happen. But we practice it now. So, in a sense, our calling as the people of God, people who follow after Jesus is to live in ways that are like lived parables ourselves. Here's what we think it looks like where the kingdom happens. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, in God's sort of cleverness, like when we dare to act or practice what we think the kingdom looks like, the kingdom happens. I mean, that's it. So that somebody else ends up telling the story like, I saw the kingdom of God today. They were giving out free clothes to the people who needed them, or they were giving Mm -hmm. out food to the people who were hungry, or they were teaching these people to read. I mean, like, yeah, that's what it looks like where God reigns. There's enough for everybody, and nobody goes hungry, and there's compassion and generosity. When we practice that, people get a glimpse of that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Um, So it's one of those things that happens 
in some small way that points ahead. It's like, like a parable. It's, it's sort of a, you get the gist, you see what the image is, okay, that points to some greater reality so that our lives themselves become parables. That if somebody watches the way we act and speak, they go, oh, that's what it looks like where God reigns and God rules. In a sense, that's what we've been praying all along in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And for us to be able to act and speak that way, then the kingdom needs to be born in our hearts before we can actually start to live it out. <laughs> right, right. And, and in a sense... Jesus is talking as he's I mean, teaching people to pray. These are people who already want to be a part of Jesus' agenda, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, what, tell me more about what you're thinking. So I'm, I'm just thinking about this, and this is totally unformed thought, so it's just coming out as it comes out. But, um, you know, the kingdom of God, we said that you can't just run away and be a hermit and hide until and wait for it to come. But yet it's something that needs to start within you mm-hmm. before then you can show it to people outside of you. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, you know, when, when we accept Christ as our Savior, um, something needs to change in our hearts. And then as that change comes about and, and then we start seeing that eternal ch- internal change in ourselves, then that starts to create an external change in, in the way we behave and the way we act around sure. other people. And then that's what really then shows those around us, even if we're the only Christian for miles away, which in our in our nation is not likely. But you know, in other nations, it can very possibly be that case. Um, You know, if it's not, if it doesn't start within us, Mm -hmm. if if the kingdom of God does not start to break in inside of us um, spiritually, then it's not going to be shown in our actions externally. There's a piece of me that thinks that. That image we talked before about sort of God reclaiming what is rightfully God's already isn't just true at a macro level about the whole universe, but that's what happens inside each one of us. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. that, that to say that the whole universe is God's is also to say every last one of us is already God's possession or claim. Mm-hmm. That, there, that there's no point at which God says, uh, oh, I, you, you weren't already mine, but now I'll, you know, like we, we're God's creation, God, you know, mm-hmm. we're part of God's universe, we're part of the package deal. Um, and that uh, whatever it means to, however however it happens in a lifetime that you come to a living faith in God, in a sense, it's nothing less or nothing more than God's rightful rule being restored in the midst of these hearts that are rebellious against God. So in a sense, it's like the, the war is being fought inside each one of us all mm-hmm. the time already. And the, the, the victory is God sort of reasserting God's rightful rule inside us as well. So it's not just out there, man, if they get their act together, then the world will be better. But like inside me, there's this... Oh, I have been rebelling against God. Oh, there's some still some part of me that's fighting that war. There's still, you know, mm-hmm. trying to reject or rebel against God, and that God's rightful rule is being sort of re- that, that's the point at which faith is rekindled. At the point where I can say, God, uh, you know, reign, reign in me as well. Yeah. Well, uh, so we, we've talked about uh, what it, what it means to pray, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Like that's all one main idea. Mm-hmm. There's more for us to talk about next time, and I think. Where we'll head next are meant to be sort of Jesus describing pictures of here's what it looks like where God's reign happens yeah. and it has to do with bread and mercy all around. Um, but we'll get there next time. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for joining us for Crazy Faith Talk. See you next week. Uh, uh,